Hello, and welcome to our mini-episode where we talk to industry professionals. Today joining us is Catherine Imp. She is one of the top entertainment attorneys in Los Angeles. So, a few episodes back, we talked about licorice pizza. And one of the things I found interesting was that for some of the characters, they used their real names, and others they used fictionalized versions of the names. For example, the character of John Peters was named John Peters. But the characters based on Lucille Ball and William Holden had fictionalized versions of their names. So I thought it would be interesting to have Kate speak to the legality surrounding that kind of thing, uh, because I assume that all of this is based on legal reasons. I'm curious if um, if life rights transfer to like next of kin, or if they if once you're dead, you know, do they uh, just open up, become like Creative Commons? I guess the the first thing you need to think about when it comes to life rights is life rights is just another way of saying publicity rights. And publicity rights is just another way of saying somebody's name, name and likeness. And so what we're talking about here with Licorice Pizza is that we had some real people's names that were used and then we had some other people that you know, we're clearly made fictitious. And and so when it comes to rights of publicity, the, I guess, law that applies is actually on the state level, not the federal level. So in order to know what rules apply, you have to figure out if the person is living, you have to look to the state where they reside and then look at the right of publicity statute and see, mm. you know, what's protected and what's not. Or if they are deceased, then you have to look at the statute in the place where they died. <laughs> so, so you know, if we're talking about somebody that's still living and they reside in California, then we would look at California's right publicity statute. Generally in California, people that are uh, living or deceased have a right of publicity there's an exception for things like if it's newsworthy or culturally relevant, right? There might be some carve out, which is why you can talk about real people in the news, for example. Um, and sometimes you might be able to get away with that with a documentary. But when you're talking about a scripted movie like Licorice Pizza, um, you're likely wanting, going to want to get the, their rights I think what's interesting is sometimes people don't, and the question is, is that okay? And when it comes to motion pictures and television and things like that, some people make the argument that, you know, since the right of publicity is on the state level and we have a First Amendment at the federal level that, you know, says we have freedom of expression, that that freedom of expression in the First Amendment actually supersedes any of the rules that apply on the state level. So when we think about licorice pizza and we're like, well, we did use some real names, right, of people, then that must mean that we got the rights for those people. That's actually not necessarily the case. Um, Specifically, I it, was, it was John Peters and I believe the restaurant owner played by John Michael Higgins. I think that they used that guy's real name um, off so, the top of my head. My gut, even though I was not, you know, um, I, I haven't seen the contracts for this this particular movie, is that they and actually you did not work on this movie. 
That's right. I didn't work. I did not work on this movie. Haven't seen the contracts for this movie. Um, I'd guess that they didn't get rights for anybody. It would be odd to just get rights for one person and nobody else. And so I think that they probably made a judgment call and said, well, we don't need rights under the First Amendment. And they just went forward. Hmm. Interesting. Is it ever like a consideration that it's like, we know we're breaking the law, but no one's going to litigate, so let's just do it anyway? Yeah, because yeah, it's really only as good as you're willing to defend it. That's right. right. And so uh, you mentioned Lucille Ball, right? That we, that ended up, we didn't actually use the name Lucille Ball. And so it's possible, right, that the producers of the movie looked to see, you know, who the real people were, whether they were the types of people that are litigious and would actually try and protect you know, the publicity rights of that either living or deceased person. The people and if controlling thought, that estate. Yeah, if yeah. they thought that that was a possibility, then they probably were like, well, we're, we're just not going to deal with that. And and they went with mm. a fictitious name. Mm. Recently, we were discussing something about um, parody and how, you know, technically you can not really borrow, but like use other characters as long as you're maybe not specifically like using that character or that name. And instead you're representing that character as like a parody. Well, you know, I think first to look at something like that, aside from making this first amendment argument, right? You could also look at the statute itself. And obviously I, I don't know these off the top of my head, but some of the statutes... Um, regarding publicity rights are more broad where it's saying, well, you know, everyone has protection over their name and likeness. Whereas other ones might say, eh, you only get that protection if you're a celebrity, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> or some, mm -hmm. some, someone that actually makes money off of their name and likeness, right? Then those yeah. are the people that have protection. And, or it might say something, well, you have protection, but only if it's connected to advertising or like merchandising, right? Mm -hmm. And so what you have to do is kind of look actually at the nuances of the statute that applies and think, well, with what we're doing, could we make an argument that, you know, it kind of falls outside the scope of that statute? And I think mm -hmm. people will do that as well, right? That they'll like consider one, whether there really is protection under, you know, a state statute or not. And then two, if they think there is, whether you've got this other defense, which is that the First Amendment supersedes. And you guys also mentioned about, you know, what about deceased people? Not, not every state gives rights to folks that are already deceased. So that does become, and so you, and oh, you the, kind of see that when you see movies that come out with particularly the life like, don't automatically pass to the estate. No. So sometimes these statutes will literally say the only people that have publicity rights are those that are living. And once you're deceased, you don't have rights anymore. If there are rights, then yes, they would likely be passed down to the estate unless, you know, there was a, a will or there was something that, that said something to the contrary, right? That actually these rights are being held by somebody else. So uh -huh. in order for, for that statute to be relevant, um, does the deceased have to live in a state that doesn't recognize life rights of the deceased or do you have to do your production in that state? 
it has to do with where they were at the time of being deceased. And that can be difficult too, right? When you think about celebrities and they have houses, right? They have residences in multiple different places. Mm -hmm. um, and so then thinking about what state would even apply, looking to where they actually did pass away versus where their you know, homes were. So there's a lot of that to look at, but that is what you're looking at. You're not looking at where the production is, um, and, which see. also makes it more difficult, right? Because then you're like, well, I'm, I've got 10 real people in my movie and they all lived in different states. <laughs> you know, then you've got different rules for each person that you'd have to consider. Right. They need a good lawyer. <laughs> that's but right. If, that's right. If they live I mean, in one state and die in another, how does that work? Exactly. Well, I think it was what the... There was a lot of litigation around the Marilyn Monroe estate questioning whether, uh, you know, after she passed away, whether it was the rights, the publicity statute in California that applied or the publicity statute in New York that applied. Because at the time of the litigation, there was no rights to, for those that were already deceased in New York, right? So in, 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 in terms of protecting Marilyn Monroe's uh, life rights, her lawyers were trying to argue for California, right? Because mm -hmm. New York would then just allow people to use her name and like to send whatever way they wanted. And so, yeah, to your point, Christian, it, it can get particularly litigious depending on the, the facts uh, when they pass away. If I were a judge like looking at that, and obviously I don't like know the intricacies of it at all, I would just like make it as simple as where are they paying their taxes? True. They might be t paying their taxes in multiple places, but yeah, yeah where are they files yeah. multiple state returns. But where are they paying? Yeah, where are they considering their official residence? Where are they paying income taxes? You know, all of those different things. I was going to say something else that is interesting about life rights deals, which is so we've kind of talked about whether or not a particular person has life rights, but that's not the only reason why someone would enter into a life rights deal. I think there's two other kind of major reasons why you might want to actually get the rights to use somebody's name and likeness. One of the other reasons is if you want them to be involved, right? <laughs> like, you know, because if you don't have them sign a contract, what incentive do they have to be a part of the marketing for a particular movie or, yeah, you know, sense to help you in any way. So sometimes even though you don't really need the rights, people will enter into a life rights deal just so that they get that person involved, which might actually help sell the movie. How um, much does the, the fee in a life rights deal vary? You know, it can really be all over the place, just like other types of underlying rights, right? To a book or, you know, to, to, to other kind of things that movies are based on. It, it can really run the gamut. Um, Xander, are you writing a spec script on yeah. John Peter's life? <laughs> I'm writing it on the three of you guys. <laughs> I think it's you know something nothing. to <laughs> consider is that typically the chain of title for a movie, right? And that's those are the the underlying rights. So you're talking about the script, but then also if the script is based on uh, real people or based on books or based on other kind of underlying IP. All of that together is typically around 5% of the budget. In terms of thinking about then what percentage of the budget would the life rights be, you'd, you'd be looking at the other pieces here, right? And okay, so we had X amount for the screen, the people that wrote the screenplay, and then 
you know, we have X amount maybe for some underlying book that this is based on and you kind of go from there, but you try and keep it around 5%. Not, not to say that's always the case, but it's usually around that. And then if there's other, I guess, services that are being provided by the real person, right, it might take a different form. It might be like a consulting fee, right? Mm-hmm. Something, something like that um, as a way to compensate them, which would be outside of that kind of 5% of the budget. Jumping back to um, what you said about like where, like, you know, where they're born versus where they end up dying. What about murder? (laughs) (laughs) What about it? I'm starting to think that you should be writing out the questions for like law school exams because this is... That's the kind of stuff that you see in a law school exam. (laughs) 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 Right. If they were murdered uh, in California. If they get on a plane to New York headed to Sydney. (laughs) (laughs) If they were murdered on the plane. They get murdered over international waters, but they were across (laughs) the date line. Yeah, this is becoming less of a uh, movie podcast and something for you guys to just teach me basic shit. I guess Xander's writing his spec script and Blake's going to murder some high profile person for their brother. <laughs> That's go, right. You You're going to make that script really interesting, man. The other thing I guess I, I'd mention to you guys and, and for those people listening in is we talked about, right, there's two reasons to have a life rights deal. One is because, you know, you might need the publicity rights, the other to get them involved. But the third reason might be to have that person waive or the estate waive certain claims. But something that I think is a concern in particular with people that are living and depending on what the script is like would be defamation, right? So if you have a living person and you are entering into a life rights deal, you're having them waive those types of claims in this contract, right? If they're not happy with the way that they look in this movie, um, you know, then you kind of get this opportunity to have them waive all these different types of claims. If you don't have a contract, then you run that risk, right? That they don't like the way- I imagine when it comes to litigation, that would be a much more common, would be the defamation rather than just whatever the life rights statute is. That's right. When you're looking at, when someone is actually filing a claim, there is no way that the only claim that they're making has to do with a violation of their right of publicity. It's likely going to include some of these other things like, you know, potentially defamation, depending on, you know, what the the facts are at hand. Do you ever build like final approval into the contract? Give final approval to the the person with the life rights? Uh, yeah, exactly. I can't think of a time that I've done that, but I'm sure that there are people who, you know, are just really have the kind of negotiating power to request that. And, but even that, you know, it would be very narrow. Same with, same with all other types of folks in the industry. Like think about it, like how often is it that um, a director would have a final say or that an actor would have a particular approval right. Same goes for the life rights folks. Most of the time you don't have it, but every so right. often you, you get that person that gets it. You just gave me a great idea, which is that I'm going to go and see all of the deceased that have, that I guess their life rights would be public domain. Yeah, I was actually going to ask about that if, if it ever becomes like public domain. 
I mean, I don't know that like, that's necessarily the right Washington. word, but if, effectively, yeah, even the even the states where there is protection for a deceased person, it usually is capped at a certain number of years. Like it'll be like they have protection for 20 years, right? And then they have no protection. So that means that once that period is done, yeah, you could make a movie about that person without having to get their name and likeness rights without having to argue First Amendment, right? You could just get a lot more comfortable with it, which is why a lot of times we do see big movies about people after they've passed away and some time has passed. Uh, well, thank you for coming on the show, Kate. No problem. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, Kate. Thank you, Kate. Bye, guys. All information, content, and materials contained in this podcast are for informational purposes only. This podcast is intended to be a general overview of the subjects discussed and does not create a lawyer-client relationship. Statements and opinions are those of the individual participants and do not necessarily reflect the policies or opinions of DLA Piper. The information contained in this podcast does not and should not be used as a substitute for legal advice. No listener should act or refrain from acting with respect to any particular legal matter on the basis of this podcast and should seek legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction.